Boom. There it is, ladies and gents. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes having a good attorney on my team might help me with a lot of issues you didn't even know you had, especially if you got a job out there or you're going to be hiring some employees. So if that sounds like your, uh, your cup of tea, then this one's going to be for you. Let's get this one on the road. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life. Prestige, wealth, freedom. It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you. And welcome to another episode of Business Boss. All right, ladies and gents, on today's episode, we're discussing the crucial steps every entrepreneur and business owner should take when opening up a business. We'll also delve deep into the latest hiring trends and negotiation tactics to help attract top talent to your workplace. We'll touch upon the subject of equity in, or sorry, equality in the workplace and explore ways to make sure your employees receive fair and equal treatment. And finally, We'll delve into the current return to office mandates and how they're causing an increase in employee activism. And now, let's welcome to the show a highly respected employment lawyer and workplace expert, our guest, Mr. Oh, man, I didn't write that one. <laughs> Mr. Peter Raybar. <laughs> Peter, welcome to the program, my friend. Thanks for having me. I mean, I've, I've watched a lot of your episodes and there's really no way to prepare for that Project X uh, introduction, you know. <laughs> Always brings a smile I'm to glad, your face. I'm glad you even know what movie that's from, man. You know oh, what's yeah. funny is yeah. if you weren't born in the late 1900s, you probably have no clue what that movie was. So it's so funny. Well, you got to stay relevant, stay relevant and, and keep track of the trends. That's what we're here to talk about. 100%. All right, man, let's jump into this. Uh, you've been an attorney for quite some time. Can you share with us like some of the common mistakes that you see entrepreneurs making when it comes to starting a business? I mean, I'm sure there's a ton. Yeah, well, um, my, my practice really focuses on employment and employees. And so how to manage employees and set up the framework. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's a really complicated time right now to be a business owner. Um, whether it's a small business or or a big business, stuff going on. Okay, so there's there's uh, state laws that are being passed every day. There are employees quitting jobs and, and moving every day. I mean, we just came out of a you know crisis with the pandemic uh, that we're still dealing with the after effects of. So there's a lot to you know deal with as a business owner. And the the key thing, you know, the key piece of advice that I would give to any business owner is don't assume you know everything and don't assume that you can handle everything on your own. You know, a team around you that can help you make some of these decisions and, and for, you know, how to work with employees in particular, um, you know, that's where people like me come in. That's where HR professionals come in because it's a really complicated time now. And, and there's no way anybody could like keep track of all the things you need to keep track of while, you know, uh, nurturing and building on, you know, the idea that's the foundation of their business. 
I know when I uh, started to bring on employees, uh, I never thought to consult an attorney to bring on an employee. Only time is when I'm looking at a, a contract, right? And and then on top of that, then I start getting right. these big posters that have all kinds of rules about what uh, employment laws are available, what opportunities employees have, when they should be taking a break, how many breaks they should get, how long that should be, when I should clock stuff in, so many different things. I kind of was like, do I even want to hire an employee? Like, how do I, how do I even start <laughs> to like really consider bringing people on when there's so much red tape? I mean, something as simple as you have employees, you better get workers comp. Right. I mean, as you said, there's a lot of rules to follow. You're in California. I'm in New York, the two states with the most rules. Um, and, and, and there are professionals and there are services that can help you with, with all these things. I mean, there's a, there's a company that makes the posters. There's, you know, payroll services that, you know, now there's third-party payroll agents that not only run the payroll, but they, you know, give HR advice and they give benefits and, you know, they talk about compliance. So, you know, as an entrepreneur should, when you're ready to start hiring employees and, you know, that's an important decision too, is, you know, not over hiring, not rushing into hiring, you know, making sure that you're ready. Um, it's also uh, finding the resources out there and that are now like readily available um, and, and a lot of them are scaled in a way that, you know, an, an employer with two benefits can now provide health insurance in a, in a very affordable way for everybody involved. Um, so there's a lot of resources out there. Don't be afraid to ask and look around. And, and certainly, you know, I think along with that, don't, don't cut any corners. You know, that's, that's a great way to derail the future of your business is, getting involved in a, a lawsuit or a state audit or, you know, some other situation because, you know, uh, you, you decided it would be easier to maybe not follow that particular, uh, particular rule. And, um, and so, so, you know, get, get the people around you who know these things and the services around you that could, that could give you help and make the right decisions. You mentioned HR, and I know for, for a lot of us who are already in there, we kind of know what that is. We got an idea, especially if you had a job for a while and you had any issues in the workplace, you know that's where you're supposed to go to get questions. But for those of us who have never been an employer, maybe never had a job, seeing as we got a bunch of youngins in the room, what is HR and why, why does a company need it? Right. So you, you have a lot of high school students there with you. And, and certainly I understand that uh, HR is is a function that is really uh, in most companies supposed to liaison between the employees and and the managers and, and the management of the company. And they are responsible for administering and enforcing policies and, and benefits and answering employee questions and really working with the management team to build culture. And, and that's, you know, that should be a key mission of HR, in my view, it shouldn't just be about administering benefit programs and tracking sick days and making sure people get their paychecks on time. Um, they do all that stuff too, but uh, it's important, you know, an important role for HR is to build culture and to build trust and to be there uh, when employees have problems, uh, ideally, they will trust HR enough to come to them with their problems so that they can be dealt with. Um, that's not always the case. 
Uh, in some companies, you know, HR is viewed as, you know, too tightly aligned with management, always taking their side, you know, firing employees after they come complain to them about a problem. You know, that's, to me, that's not, you know, the typical way HR works. That's, that's a broken HR model in a particular company. Um, but that's, that's the function it's supposed to provide is really to, to be a builder of culture and a connector to your employees and a, and a vehicle for employees to have a voice in your company. As a, as a small business owner, at what point do we start to look for a third party like that to kind of handle HR issues? Because I know like my own personal experience, anytime you start building a company, who do you end up hiring? You end up hiring your cousin or your friend that you've grown up with. And you kind of start right. off with this like, hey, man, we're going to work together. I got to, you know, I'll pay you to do this. And it kind of grows from there. But at, at what point do you need somebody like this to come in and kind of start managing and helping uh, track some of that stuff as well as build that culture you were talking about? Right. Well, you should always have a lawyer at the outset. So hope, I'm sure you know that, but you want to set up the right form and you want to have, you know, your intellectual property rights secure and to the extent that, you know, you're sharing in profits with somebody, whether it's your cousin or your friend or a stranger, you want to make sure that's properly documented because there's plenty of disputes that have occurred around those issues, right? So you want to have a good law set. And, and my, my advice on that is always never skimp on a lawyer. You know, uh, if a client tells me that I'm too ex if a client tells me I'm too expensive, I said, great, go find someone else. That's fine. Um, but with respect to HR, you could probably wait a little, little later to do that. I, I think un, under most like state laws, you know, there are some that are triggered with just one employee. But I think if you're getting around four or five employees, you know, five to 10, you want to start looking at a third party provider uh, as a starting point. Uh, and then, you know, it's going to depend on your business too, and what your model is, you know, and now with so many different business models, I mean, you, you may need someone from the beginning just to manage your five employees because they're in five different states or in three different countries. So it's, it's going to be pretty need specific, but I would, I'm always going to say, you know, do it earlier. Uh, it's worth the investment. Um, I know a lot of people would not agree with that. I mean, there are there are companies with dozens or hundreds of employees that don't have HR. I don't, I don't a feasible model, but it exists. Well, I'm going to back you. I'm going to back you on. You should have an uh, an attorney at the at the onset, even if you have it, even if it's not HR, at least an attorney. And I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I own an insurance agency over here in San Diego, part owner of a of a, a pretty big company, and. Uh, we had to go through this lawsuit. We had a contractor that, and mind you, we have only a few employees. Most of our people are 1099 subcontractors, but that subcontractor also had their own employee and there was a sexual harassment suit uh, that was faced there. And because we were subcontracting them, we got named in the lawsuit. We ended up paying, I don't know, it was something around 65,000 between settlement and attorney fees. And we never met or paid this particular individual. It never even, I don't know yeah. who this person was. It happened to go down. After that, we brought on an attorney to review our contracts and to go over some stuff like that. But like you said, had we had somebody at the onset 
to kind of right. look right. at the way our company was structured, we probably could have prevented something like this. When, when, when attorneys come after you, especially on the employment side, what are they looking for as a target to say, yes, you have a lawsuit here and yes, it's worth going after? Yeah, that's, that's a scary story, but one I've heard, you know, a lot. If you don't have the right forms, you could certainly be in a very vulnerable position, right? And, and for you, you know, you probably should have had a contract that said you're not liable for any third party claims and you're indemnified if anything, you know, happens and they're responsible for their own employees and, you know, and, and independent contractor relationships are, are tricky and a lot of states in particular are looking out for them. But to your, to your question, um, you know, I represent a lot of individuals and, and I represent them on their employment contracts, getting in and out of places, but I also handle claims where, you know, there may have been a failure to pay wages or bonuses or harassment or discrimination involved. And, and so what do you look for? You look for facts, you know, you look for facts to support the story you're hearing. Um, you know, obviously the law is a big piece and, you know, you're going to look at the laws and say, okay, okay, well, this is what the law says. Now tell me what your facts are, you know, because usually in those situations, you're going to have someone call you and say, I was harassed. I was discriminated. I wasn't paid a bonus. Okay. Well, was your, was your bonus guaranteed or was it discretionary? You know, what, what do your documents say? What, what were the discussions around it? Um, you were harassed. Okay. Tell us what, what, what happened? How were you harassed? You know, what effect did it have on you? So, you know, we're always going to have a, a very fact intensive conversation with, with our clients um, and, and then figure out, is there a case? Is there something I can do to add value to your situation? Um, and then if there is, how are we going to approach it and how are we going to approach the company? And that's, that's, you know, sometimes that factors in, the company's reputation and you know the you know what has happened with past employees and and sometimes not i I try to not rely on external factors as much as possible but um those are the things we're going to go through and we're going to see sort of what what kind of leverage can we build in this situation i mean everything's a negotiation eventually and so what's your leverage if you have good facts and you have good law you have a lot of leverage right um is there maybe publicity uh, I work with a lot of high-profile clients, so you know, so that's that's very often an issue that we we have to deal with. Um, so, you know, there's no one-size-fits-all uh, formula that you apply to it, but um, there there's some general guidelines, you know, that I look for in cases uh, in particular. Do uh, do you do you guys take a look at insurance policies, for example? Like you know, most companies are going to have to require uh, are going to be required to have a general liability policy. Some of them have like a BOP, for example. Um, uh, definitely a workers' comp policy. Uh, when it comes to litigation, having those are obviously great lines of defense. But at the same time, do you have is having a lot of coverage like that also a target for business owners? Well, let me add one policy to that mix first before I, I get to the rest of your question. Uh, if you're a, a company starting out and you're buying your general liability uh, policy, you should also ask about an employment practices liability policy. And that would cover claims of harassment, discrimination, and you know, like the independent contractor situation. <laughs> no you know, and if you're just starting out, 
Yeah, EPLI, right. And so if you're just starting out as a company, you could probably get that coverage with a pretty low deductible. Um, and that doesn't necessarily make you a target because your employees aren't going to know about it. And you know, uh, if there's a potential litigation, the issue of whether a policy exists or not is not going to come up until you know some some back and forth in a litigation process. Um, eventually, it does come up. You know, and and again, I don't I don't think that necessarily makes you a bigger target, um, but it's. It's definitely something that is a, a wise move to protect your business. I mean, you know, your $65,000 claim could have been a $5,000 deductible, you know, and, and that's a big difference. Yeah, it, it, it does make a huge difference that sometimes just the insurance companies coming in and trying to protect the, the claims that are being sent out. That litigation in and of itself is is very beneficial to some of these small business owners. They would have they wouldn't have access to some of the same uh I guess backup, right? Which which is where where your attorneys come in and kind of help you out. On top of having your own attorney ahead of time, had you uh, had the foresight to do that at the beginning, it's very very right. helpful when you have something like that. You know, you're you're already putting up the roadblocks, and then on top of those roadblocks, the insurance company comes in with their attorneys to kind of back that play. Does it sound about yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call them roadblocks as much as like building blocks. I mean, these are smart business practices, you know, to protect your business. I mean, you have this, and I have this conversation with entrepreneurs all the time, you know, it's like, especially in founder led companies, when someone makes a claim against a founder led company, they take it very personally. You know, they feel like it's a bit in most cases, like a betrayal. Here's someone I trusted to hire in my company, you know, and I took them in and I paid them and I did, you know, had faith in them and I gave them a piece of ownership and now they're coming after me. And my response to them is always like, okay, I understand you're upset, but like you're running a business and this stuff happens. It's part of business. You know, relationships don't always work out in priorities than you. Um, and, you know, Treating them fairly and is is important, and so maybe it didn't happen. Maybe it happened in this case. Maybe it didn't. But you know, don't take it personally. You know, rely on advisors, rely on insurance policies to to just deal with it. And you focus on like the core business that you're trying to build. Don't let this become a bigger issue that could potentially derail the future of your company. Become a red flag for potential investors you know, and, 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 and be a problem that you're going to have to deal with for years. I mean, that's, that's just not, you know, in most cases, you know, just fighting on the principle is not going to make sense in, 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 in these situations. Uh, I, and I don't mean to scare people, right? Like hiring employees is, is something that most businesses have to do if they ever plan on scaling right. and if they ever plan on being more than just, you know, owning your job. Uh, however, the world has gone pretty remote after 2020. So there's all kinds of different overlapping things that are happening when you start crossing state lines, you have different rules in place across different states. And then we start getting into the whole idea of, I don't even have to hire within the United States. I can hire outside of the United States and avoid some of these uh, rules and regulations that apply for my company here. What is the insight from you as an attorney as we start meshing the lines of what employment looks like, um, especially when we're talking W-2 versus 1099? Yeah, I mean, it's a really relevant question 
important right now as we're emerging from the the crisis portion of the, the pandemic and we're trying to figure out well what's normal now you know and what's what's the best practice um and you know my my view on this is there is no going back to the normal of 2019 and early 2020 that's nothing <laughs> nothing from from that phase is going to come back fully nothing has so why should work come back fully in the same way um and and so you have to as a business owner you know change your mindset and and you're right like employers should not be scared of having employees and scared of the issues attached to them you know um ultimately employees are going to help build your business and make it successful if everything goes right and and so uh, what what i advise business owners and and how i advise them is to think about it as like this you know new opportunity to figure out what's right for you so don't don't make decisions based on what you read other businesses doing or what elon musk is doing or you know what the trends are saying you got to figure that out with your own employees and with your own business and and so to me flexibility is like the number one you know um piece of advice you know to follow here is like be as flexible as possible and so you know remote could be great it could also be a problem and it doesn't make sense for every business but it doesn't mean it has to be like one or the other there there are like middle grounds for for remote workers and you know interns as well i mean obviously immigration came to a standstill um a couple of years ago and i think that the impact that's had on the workforce has not been fully discussed or examined um but certainly there there are opportunities to work remotely with people who live in different countries and um you know those you got to make sure you're following tax laws and registering to do business in these different places particularly in foreign countries there's a lot of rules around that so don't assume just because the employee could connect from wherever they are that they make sure you're registered to do business there etc so those are things you have to weigh um when you're deciding about whether it makes sense or not for your your business there's a lot of a lot of issues also like how can i motivate and engage someone who's living halfway around the world you know those are those are issues that you really need to decide on based on your culture and based on the strength of your managers uh and and the nature of your business um and you know right now you could see here in new york if you were here today uh, um it's it's uh tuesday through thursdays are like the busiest days in in manhattan that's when a lot of people are coming in a lot of companies you know have chosen to do that and it's like a very vibrant you know place to be and a lot of people are enjoying the flexibility that you know these new policies are providing them um and and so uh you know I, I, if you're if you're able to remain flexible i think you can make a lot of these decisions in a, in a way that's beneficial for the future of your business now on the one hand we got employment changing when it comes to remote work on the other hand we got the immersion of AI here. Literally yesterday, Google announced their version of AI being launched, which is Bard. 
Um, and right. there's a lot of, of uh, entrepreneurs and, and businesses that are going to essentially be replaced. A lot of attorney contract writing is likely to be replaced. Marketers are likely to be replaced. There's still things that you need us, the human being, for. Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering, as you see some of these things start to be implemented, you're going to have people that are going to be let go in their industry, people that are going to be cut down in their industries. Um, from an employment point of view, how does somebody kind of basically let some of these people go? And is there anything I should be worried about as I start to implement some of these AI strategies or some of these AI things into my business um, from that point of view? It's a really, it's a really hot issue right now. Obviously, um, I did an interview at the end of last year where I said AI would be one of the biggest issues that we'd have to focus on this year. But it clearly, it it hasn't. You know, it's, it's exploded in a way that I definitely could not predict. Um, and and I'd say, you know, this this concern about everybody being replaced by AI. I mean, I. I think we need to take a step back on that a little bit. Um, certainly there are some places where it makes sense, but there's some places where it doesn't make sense. I'll give you one example. Um, a, lot of, a lot of companies are using AI to, to read resumes um, and, and to, to screen out applicants. And so my, my advice you know, to job seekers is, is to you know, adapt to that and adopt, you know, incorporate uh, keywords into their resumes and you know things like that that the bots are going to pick up but there's also been studies done that show that you know ai reading resumes has led to you know uh, unequal outcomes and that some of the bots are discriminatory you know and there are state laws now being passed around the use of bots for recruiting and you know how they need to be programmed and and they still need to be reviewed by humans and ultimately you're not going to hire someone until you i mean in your business you wouldn't hire someone until you actually met them and talked to them i mean you wouldn't just trust trust ai to to do it so I, I think we still have a long way to go on that stuff but look i mean if you're in a function that you feel can be easily replaced by uh, a bot then i think you need to start working on some new skills and start uh you know making a valuable to a business. And I, I would say that to anybody in any context at, at work is like the best way to not get fired is make yourself irreplaceable, you know, and make yourself essential and make yourself someone who like is well-liked, is relied upon, is dependable, you know, and, and then there's going to be a real decision, you know, on, on even if it's maybe more cost efficient to, to get rid of you, you know, whether that actually makes sense for the business and whether the business will actually function better or not. Um, so let's let's see where the trends go. I think we're going to see a lot of regulators get involved and there's going to there's going to be um, you know there's obviously a lot of excitement and investment right now but I think there's also a lot of fears and concerns that I think will temper some of this as as the year goes along and the next few years go along. All right, man, you knew Project X, and I'm wondering, with all the AI talk, doesn't anybody watch The Matrix, Terminator, iRobot? Like, come on, man. Total Recall, all these yeah. movies that, you know, are predicted. Are we, like, literally yeah. saying, look, this is what's going to happen, and yet here we are saying, no, nah, go ahead. Let's, let's let it take over. Let's let it make our life yeah. a lot easier. <laughs>
Right, right. I mean, there's dangers to all these things, right? Um, yeah, I mean, big companies spend a lot of money and a lot of time trying to forecast trends and to try and really steer trends. And, and I think that's one thing, you know, in what, what I do, and, and I, I work with some companies, but I work with a lot of individuals now. Um, what I like to do is help balance the, the playing field a little bit, you know, not only in how we talk about workplace issues, but just how, you know, workers are, approach them. And we're in this really unique time right now where employees have a lot of power. And, you know, the, the, the companies and the employers who are trying to steer the issues in their direction aren't really succeeding. And, um, and I, th- and I think the key piece of it is, is not just that we have, you know, like a 3.1% uh, unemployment rate and the labor market is still super tight. Um, it's because employees have more information at that and they're making decisions on jobs using this information, you know, whether it's from their friends who um, give them salary information or, you know, tips on what the personalities are like and what the culture is like or sites like Glassdoor or others that, you know, provide unfiltered, you know, sometimes irresponsible, but definitely unfiltered advice on, on workplaces. I mean, employees are making informed decisions. They're not just jumping at the first opportunity that's them. They're not just believing news reports that say remote work is over because they know that, you know, a lot of corporate PR is behind that. Um, They're, they're, you know, they're making their own decisions. You know, thousands of people were laid off at the beginning of this year. People are still being choosy about jobs, not jumping at the first thing. So, it's a real like tug of war right now. And employers are really, you know, I've talked to a lot of employers who are just really struggling and looking for help and, and ideas on, on, on how to figure out, you know, what these new generations in the workplace are looking for and what they value. Um, and so it's, it's kind of a fascinating, it's, it is a very fascinating time to do what I do. Oh man, times have been changing and yes, we do need people like you helping us kind of guide through. So as we close out for today's, uh, today's interview, I want to make sure I give you the floor to let people know who is your ideal client? Who's this person that you're looking for and how can they get a hold of you if they want to work with you? Yeah. Um, well, as I said, I work with a lot of executives. I work with a lot of smaller businesses and, and, and so, uh, on, all types of employment issues. I mean, before I started my own practice six years ago this month, so I'm, I'm also an entrepreneur, right? Um, before I did that, I worked at a big law firm and a big media company for 18 years. Um, and, you know, if you want to reach me, I'm pretty pretty reachable and pretty responsive. My, uh, uh, the raybargroup.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm launching a newsletter uh, later this month called Work Letter. So, you know, I'll be sure to uh, send that to you when, when that you'll be on the list for sure, but uh, that, that will be launched on Substack. So, um, you know, it's important to be reachable in a number of different ways. I'm sure that's, you know, advice you would give your fellow business owners, but uh, yeah, I'm always happy to help out and talk about workplace issues. It's, it's all I do. So. 
All right, Peter. Well, thank you very much for being on the program. Ladies and gents, this is what it comes down to. Look, you're going to start a business. You're going to start making some money and that's great. But if you want to leverage your time, you're going to need a team behind you. And that requires either hiring remote or hiring an employee to come help you out to start, start to, to start to give you the ability to scale. Peter does exactly that. So make sure you guys check out his website, scrolling across the bottom, go there, check it out, have a conversation. You never know the situation you're in until you start asking an attorney the questions. They'll let you know what you need and where to go from there. So make sure you guys check that out. Peter, hope you like this episode. Uh, literally the job we do every single episode is to create long form content that we can break up and, uh, turn into small social media pieces of content. So I got one more question for you. What was your experience like uh, creating content on the Business Bros today? That was amazing. I mean, certainly it couldn't be replaced by AI, I'll tell you that. You know, so, <laughs> so no way Google or, or a chat GPT could uh, replace what, what you and I did here today. And I really appreciate you and appreciate you having me on, on the show and give me a chance to talk because I... Honestly, like people are, I, I know people don't like lawyers generally, and I know they're afraid to, it's, if you're building a business, it's super important. So thanks for having me. Vital, vital. I'm telling you guys from my own personal experience, unless you guys want to write big fat checks, uh, when, when somebody sues you, you got to have an attorney on your team at the beginning, not after you get the lawsuit. Just saying. All right, Peter, thank you very much for being on the program. Ladies and gents, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. And we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today. Business Bros.